0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the latest edition of Roar Lions Roar. I am your uh, fill-in host, Matt DeBear. We have kicked Bill and Nick out, and the Matts have taken over. I am joined tonight by my pal Matt Flipovitz over in Chicago. How are you doing this evening, Matt?
1: Matt, I'm excited uh, that we get to talk about Hakeem Beeman, mostly on this podcast. Uh, and we don't have to talk about anything else, as far as I'm concerned. Just let me talk about Hakeem Beeman for 35 minutes, and we are set.
0: Yeah, for 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 those of you who haven't figured it out yet, our topic today is the Penn State defensive line. Um, and for anyone who's listening who knows my my partner here tonight, um, Hakeem Beeman is like like the the mythical son, um, the, the the prodigal son returning home, if you will, for the Penn State defensive line um, a- after his freshman year in twenty twenty. But my my pal was expecting big things from him last year before he missed the year for. I've been um, banging this drum for like reasons. two and a half
1: years. I've been banging this Hakeem Beam and drum for two and a half years. I can't wait for it to finally pay off.
0: I, I can't wait till we we find out that that Matt has some sort of like uh, familial connection to Hakeem. Um, but his his his, uh, his his level of commitment to to his pal um, and and arguably a very important piece of the Penn State defensive line is admirable. So I'm going to turn it over to Matt um, and see whatever whatever. Th- uh, th- other thoughts he has um, on the Penn state defensive line heading into the 2022 season.
1: I I love this group, man. I think John Scott jr. Has done an awesome job building phenomenal depth, both through recruiting uh, and through the transfer portal, like going out there and getting a guy like chop Robinson, who I believe was a top 75 prospect, maybe even a little bit higher uh, in the 2021 class, getting him to come up from Maryland and and fill a position of need at defensive end is huge. I think coming off a year where you just really propelled Arnold Abichetti into a whole new stratosphere, as far as the NFL draft goes to bring in probably a higher floor guy and a higher ceiling guy in Chop Robinson is fantastic. And then getting the Isaac back from injury is huge. Nick Tarburton is just like a, like a Ryan Buckholz kind of guy who is just so re- doesn't make any flashy plays, but just is going to be in there and give you some solid reps. And then, you know, to round out that that edge rusher group, you know, Smith Vilbert had a phenomenal outback bowl, and he's a guy who's been around a long time and was still learning football. And it's year four in the program for him. So I'm excited to see, you know, what kind of step he can take. And then shifting inside, I think this is the deepest defensive tackle room Penn State's maybe ever had, in that PJ Mustafer is back, which I, I'm so excited about. Hakeem Beeman is back from whatever kept him out last year. You have Devon Ellis you have Jordan Vandenberg who I thought also played a really good game in the Outback Bowl uh Kaziah Izzard I don't know if he officially moved to defensive end but he's like a hybrid guy who can play inside if need be uh I feel like I'm forgetting somebody but you know to have five dudes off the top of my head who can you know really hold down the middle is is truly phenomenal so I'm excited to see what John Scott Jr. can do with this group a- and Manny Diaz
0: I think we we just recorded the offensive line podcast and we talked a little bit about the depth there. I'm um, going mean, to sound a little bit like a broken record to those of you who listen to that one. Um, but the depth of this group is just outstanding and, and Matt alluded to it on, and really inside and outside. Um, Hakeem Beeman, Jordan Vandenberg, uh, uh, Devon Ellis, PJ Mustafer, Kazai Izzard. All five of those guys have played um, varying levels of staffs, but all have been productive. And then you add in a freshman like Zane Durant, who um zane durant that's what i was forgetting i wouldn't want to jump in and and tell you because i really wanted to save that one for myself but um that's six guys right there that um either have played significant snaps been productive in the time they've had or in zane durant's case are getting glowing reviews since he's been on campus um when you throw around names um those names and i think the benefit of of mustafer's injury last year and Beeman missing all season it allowed guys like Ellie's and Izzard to really get more experience than they probably otherwise would have. then you come back in you add back in mustafer, who depending on how he comes back from his injury um is able to you know is a potentially a probably a second day type n f l pick um that's that's a huge positive and I think um All those guys who are a year older, a year stronger, especially those young guys that um, continue to physically mature in the weight room, um, that's a really good starting point. And I know we haven't talked linebackers yet, but a group like that up front, especially in the inside, can make life a lot easier on a a linebacking core that um, is probably the biggest question on on the defense. And we'll get to that in in later episodes, of course. But then you jump outside, and Matt mentioned Adiza Isaac is back from an Achilles injury. Um, Chop Robinson coming in, Nick Tarburton in his 15th year um, out of Penridge. Um, and then you've got, I mean, Vanover who saw some time last year, Smith Filbert, who had like Matt said, a really productive outback bowl. um, you know, certainly showcased his past rushing ability. Um, then you add in a guy like Danny Dennis Sutton, the true freshman that um, by all accounts is getting better and better. He wasn't able to get on campus until, um, later on, um, at the start of the first summer session. Um, he didn't, wasn't able to enroll early due to his high school rules, um, and then you've got another guy like Ken Talley, you know, true freshman, that's probably not going to play a whole lot. Um, and it, it, you know, they're, they're going to miss, um, Zariah Fisher, who's going to miss the season with an injury, on um, the sophomore at Alquipa,
1: but it I is think it's cool to see him practicing though. I will say it is cool to see Fisher doing some lighter work I've seen in a couple of the videos that some people have posted. So it's good to see he's still around and still, still getting some mental reps at least
0: for sure. But I, I think. It, it, it's a testament to the work that John Scott jr has done in, in building this group and um, recruiting through the transfer portal. Um, there's probably, I don't know how many names we just mentioned. There's t- it feels like 10 or 12 guys they're going to yeah. factor in and in a group that as we've seen really, and this goes back, you know, decades um, to, to Larry Johnson, they want to rotate those guys through those guys, um, you know, go hard every snap, and they've, mm-hmm. Always tried to rotate guys in. I think you're not going to see as big of a drop off when the twos and even threes in some cases get in there, um, in an effort to keep their top guys fresh. And that's going to that that type of rotation too. I think in a long term mindset helps make the program more attractive to you know elite freshmen like Dennis Sutton, where you've got you know an opportunity to play right away. Maybe you're not starting. Maybe you're not even getting the most snaps. You're getting 20, 25 snaps a game, um, playing in in big games like you know against Michigan, Ohio State, at Auburn. it, it, you see what that does at a place like Ohio state where they bring in those elite guys year after year. And yeah, they're not starting every year, but you know, they, they, they attract those guys. So they know they're going to get to play among other reasons. Yep. Um, and I think that's, that's really the story of this group is, is how many guys they, they really feel like they're able to play. And I think that is going to be a big reason that will help it or a big explanation or answer to our next question is, um, Penn State lost two key pieces off the off off the defensive line last year in Arnold Ebbett and Derek Tangelo, both guys um, drafted in the NFL. Um, I haven't heard a whole lot about Ebbett um quite, um, you know, at this point through training camp, but Derek Tangelo was making the rounds on social media about a week or two ago, um, just absolutely dominating in some one on one drills with I believe he's with the Atlanta Falcons. Um,
1: yeah, both him and AK are with the Falcons, and he, he was he was UDFA. Uh, okay, Tangelo was undrafted.
0: Those two guys were certainly so instrumental last year, um, and I think, yeah, I bet KT had the numbers, but I think Tangelo, um, in a lot of ways, especially after the Mustafer injury, was a, was a more important player for Penn State up front, and those are two key pieces that need to be replaced.
1: Yeah, you can make the case Tangelo was the, was the defensive line's MVP last year. For a guy to come up from Duke, and you know that's still big-time football, uh, no, no disrespect to the ACC, um, but maybe a little bit. Uh, but he started every game, and that was even before Mustafer got hurt and then you know a- as we found out about Beeman, and then eventually once Mustafer went down, he just became a guy who just gave them phenomenal reps and I think allowed them to maintain red shirts on you know like Jordan Vandenberg and a couple of the other younger guys for them to ease in a little bit more so in terms of replacing them, I think just with the pure volume of guys you have now at both those positions, I'll kind of focus in on do defensive tackle to start, but, you know, Mustafer back already. Tangelo's, you know, running partner for the start of the season is back. Hakeem Beeman, who probably would have started had he had not had to miss the year, is back. So right there, you're probably going into the season with a higher floor. And then we saw Izzard and Ellis both, let's be honest, take their lumps. And for young players along the defensive line, that's something that kind of has to happen. It's a rite of passage. We've seen it happen. Uh, thankfully it's never got that bad to where they had to move an offensive guard over there to help them uh, plug some holes. So that's a, that's a huge plus. But then you add in, you know, Jordan Vandenberg and Zane Durant, who, you know, are probably the three deep right now. I feel like both those guys could go in there and really make an impact tomorrow. So that's a great place that you have six dudes who on the interior who can really help make up for the loss of Tangelo because you know, one of them is going to be able to match it. And then from there, they're all going to raise the floor. And then in terms of Epiketti, Penn State really hasn't had the sack numbers they had under Sean Spencer uh, in the John Scott Jr. era, which is fine. Like 2020 was weird. You know, Shaka Tony and then Odafe Owe got there, but every single quarterback knew it was coming and had to throw quick little passes. So it's kind of a wash. 2021, uh, Ebiketti was the guy and considering he was playing around a transfer in one year in the system and a young guy at defensive tackle you know that that really just says a lot to what he was able to do so I think you know bringing Adisa Isaac back from injury getting him healthy is going to be huge Tar Burton's never going to be the guy to go back there and, and get those you know huge sack numbers but deny Dennis Sutton could easily be that guy off the edge it's going to take him maybe about a month to get up to speed but to say by you know the Penn State Michigan game on October fifteenth that denied Dennis Sutton couldn't be in the starting lineup, I I don't think that's unrealistic. So you're just going to replace them like we just talked about with just this phenomenal depth. I'm not looking for one guy to be Ketty. I'm not looking for one guy to be Derek Tangelo. I'm looking for a group of guys to match that and then exceed that production.
0: No, I think I I kind of set us up for for uh um kind of some some concurring thoughts here with, with, with our talking points, but that's exactly it is you've got this volume of, of options. Um, I think if, 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 you know, push came to shove and you, okay, you know, who's going to be the guy to replace that. I, I think Beeman's return um, in the middle is, is really going to be a, kind of kind of a linchpin. I think we, it was easy to forget how productive he was um, in his redshirt freshman year. I think it was his redshirt freshman year back in 2020 yep. in in the limited yep. season, um, but he, he showed those flashes. Um, I'm, I'm curious cause he's still listed at 261. I'm curious to see how that translates. Um, cause he kind of became, you know, he's gotta a, be, he's unquote, gotta be
1: bigger than that. He's gotta be bigger than that. That's way smaller than givens was even when he played.
0: It, it, yeah. And I, I, I'm, I'm curious to see one, you know, it, you know, how accurate that is, but two, how, how he gets used and how he gets kind of, um, brought along. How a guy like Zane Durant who, you know, it's it's easy to, to look look past a true freshman um but but too many guys that follow the program closely are too talk too much about him to think that um you know there's there there is some Kevin Givens in. I mean, that's the name that's been thrown around is kind of his his um skill set of you. Will. He's not a big not a tall guy. He's only 6-1 um but you know super quick feet, super strong. Um, and that, that lower center of gravity kind of gives him advantage to in the inside. Um, but, and then outside, I think, um, I'm really curious to see what a Isaac does. Um, that was kind of a, a, um, you know, a blow to blow to the, the whole defense last year. And it was kind of a, you know, in hindsight, a sign of things to come losing him, um, before the season started to an Achilles injury. Um, I'm really curious to see how, you know, where he's at. Um, cause so I think he was a guy that they were talking about as, you know, you know, potential first round type level of talent, depending on how it all came together before the injury. Mm-hmm. And I'm certainly far from a doctor. Um, but reading a little bit about the, the expectations for a a guy coming back from, um, that type of injury where is he at you know you know he was so quick off the edge um before the injury is is he at that level is he you know a step slow um but at the same time he's also had 2 years to um you both rehab the injury but also get bigger and stronger and i think um you know when we last saw him he was you know a, tr- a true speed rusher he didn't have you know necessarily the upper body strength to to rely on on you know another way to get to the quarterback so i'm curious to see um especially if he's lost that step um, at least early on um, where he's at with, with those other tools that you have in your tool belt um, as a defensive end. Um, I'm really curious to see um, Chop Robinson. He was a guy who was like you said, very heralded um, out of high school, out of um, um, Gaithersburg, Maryland. Um, Didn't play a, didn't have a ton of numbers with Maryland, but um, certainly flashed as a freshman with them. Um, I'm curious to see, kind of how they utilize him when he was being recruited. They talked a lot about utilizing him as kind of a, a Micah Parsons type player. Um, given kind of what they see now with um, both what they saw in the field last year at Maryland and now they've had him on campus for a couple months, it sounds like they view him more as tr- a true defensive end. Um, but the fact they were talking about him in that kind of scenario as a high schooler tells you the kind of athleticism and talent you're working out there. Um, and I'm really interested to see um, some of these guys that, um, you know, we're, we're not going to probably see a lot of, but, um, Devon Townley, the redshirt freshman out of Minnesota. Um, uh, who's the other name that I was thinking of Rodney McGraw out of Chicago, um, or from Chicago, but out of Elkhart, Indiana. Um, the next step that those guys take, I don't think either of them are necessarily going to factor in, um, if they do other, something's gone terribly right for them or terribly wrong on the defensive line. Um, but yeah. l- watch those guys take the next step. Um, and then, um, I had one other thought that just popped out of my mind. Um, but, it, you know, not to belabor the point, there's a, there's a lot of depth to work with there. Um, I know what I was going to say. Nick, if you can cut this and make it sound a lot better than I just made it sound, I'd really appreciate it.
1: Absolutely not.
0: Um, <laughs> but watch Smith Vilbert take, take the next step. Um, you know, like, like we talked about, he was a, a pass rushing madman in the Outback Bowl, but he kind of got exposed in the run game. So, um, yeah. again, you, you saw his raw athleticism. Watch him take the next step. You'll become more of a, well, a well-rounded player. Um, speaking of well-rounded.
1: Wait, real quick, Matt. Real real quick. On the Adisa Isaac point, before I forget, can you name the defensive lineman to play as true freshman under James Franklin? I think it's is it YGM them? and Adisa. Yeah. I, I can't think of any others outside of YGM, a second round pick, and Adisa Isaac. I can't think of anybody else. Yeah. Can you?
0: Yeah. Jason Oway didn't or Adafi Owe now didn't. No,
1: Shane Simmons didn't. Shaka didn't. I can so that says a lot about what the staff thinks of Adisa Isaac that it's him and a second round pick as the two you know true freshmen to get meaningful snaps as uh, right off the bat.
0: For sure. And, and the and the guys that he was competing with when he came in, it wasn't like he was, you know, played out of necessity. He played because he was he was capable and he, you know, um yeah. that production as a freshman led to the buzz about him going into last year before um, he suffered that injury. Um, you ruined my great segue, but, um, we are of course Sorry. sponsored now by the, the great folks at Homefield apparel who on Saturday, August 13th, um, on their big noon Saturday drop, um, launched a 15 piece Penn state line that you can get uh, 15% off of with code roar lines, roar at checkout that, on your first purchase. Um, so if you have purchased from, with, from them before, um, thank you for supporting them, but also we cannot give you any money off because, um you've already proven to, to understand the value you are getting from these great, um, these great shirts. I do not have mine yet. They are, I don't even know if they're in the mail. I have not gotten my shipping notification. I did not order right away. I was out doing some errands on Saturday, but um, we placed a a significant order on Saturday evening. Um, So I do not have any yet, Matt. I know you have some from their previous launches, so you can tell our listeners um, some of the great things they're looking forward to.
1: Yeah, home field stuff, I think, just fits my body very well, Uh, especially their crew necks. I'm a huge crew neck guy, and I'm very excited to get a new one Uh, because all the Penn State ones I have, I got at the Goodwill in Copley, Pennsylvania, and they're all double XL. So to have a large one that fits me like a person and not like a parachute, I'm very excited about. So they do such great work. The designs they released for this Penn State collection are, are all really fun and really unique. You know, there's the Nittany Lion playing sports, which is like, impossible to find a lot of places him you know in a wrestling singlet which looked really cool and him playing hockey which was always really fun uh but their shirts are just of such high quality they're great people to work with and you know we're in first place right now for the big new saturday leaderboard we overtook the florida gators which i was i was very pleased to see but next up is ohio state so i hope we built a big enough lead but you know, it never hurts to go in here and maybe help us close it out a little bit. I don't, I know these won't count towards the standings, but I think we'll all know uh, in, in the event that Ohio State passes us, which I don't think they will, but it, it always, it always helps to get a little bit of extra in here at the end. So, highly recommend their stuff. Again, that's code ROARLIONSROAR, all capital, one word at checkout for 15% off your first order.
0: No, I think um, the one thing I've always thought is really cool about all their stuff that's, that's been released for all the different schools that they're working with now is, it's so unique um, you know, that they, they go back through mm-hmm. your your schools and, and Penn State's case, Penn State's history of old logos, old mottos um, and, and pull that stuff out. I, I feel a little um, I'll, I'll be 40 in January, so I'm probably exactly as old as I feel. But um, one of the the the, <laughs> the hooded sweatshirts that they released has um, you know, the, the oval Nittany Lion logo that we still see everywhere. But it's got what I think a lot of people my age and maybe a little bit older refer to as the tennis ball uh, script or tennis ball font, Penn state, um, wording, um, that's on there. And I, I love that it's back on, on Penn state merchandise. I hate that it's considered retro. Um, cause that means that, you know, and, and it's, it has been now, this is uh 21 years since I was a freshman in school, um, at Penn state. So, um, I, I certainly am older than I probably realize I am, but the fact that that is retro is both cool. Cause it means that it's coming back now, but also, um, a little disturbing because, um, that, that that was the the Penn State end zone, um, I think, all four years I was there. It might have changed my senior I'm year. So but m-
1: I'm so mad we, don't have, we didn't have those end zones when I was in school. Those end zones are awesome. I'm so mad we don't have those.
0: I, I don't know if Homefield can help us out with this, but if they can bring back the Argyle <laughs> end zones – um, Then then I, we will be forever grateful. Um, I'll, I will give them my credit card and just, you know, order at will, um, for, for whatever <laughs> they want. Um, but like we said, r- code ROARLINES, roar lines, at checkout 15% off on your first purchase. Um, going back to the defensive line here, we've talked a lot about, um, getting guys back, but I think, um, I want to dive into the, the true benefit of getting those guys back. Um, Adisa Isaac, Hakeem Beeman, PJ Mustafer are the three big guys that I think, um, have played meaningful snaps that, um, you know, in, in two of their cases missed all of last year In Mustafa's case missed, um, just a hair over half the year. I'm going out in the Iowa game. Um, Matt, what is, what is the, you know, I think we talked a little bit about the on field benefit, but this is kind of the, the intangibles that getting guys like that back can do for, for not only the defensive line, but I think the defense and the team as a whole.
1: Yeah, it's all dudes in their at least third year in the program, and that's where your leadership comes from. And for a group that is going to be playing in front of a linebacker core that, let's call it, is going to be questionable, I think that's huge for keeping everybody focused, engaged, and playing their best football uh, I, I think Mustafers a lock for a captain, and, and rightfully so, man. He has been such a great ambassador for the program. He killed it at two media days. Which going to one media day sounds like a horrible experience. So the fact that he got to go twice and really be a great ambassador for the school it, it says a lot about you know who he is and what he brings to that room every day. And I think John Scott Jr. is really going to appreciate having a guy um, you know like PJ who can just eat space and and play his role really well. And you know, for Adisa, it's raising the floor of that edge rusher group. I think a lot of us, especially after he got hurt, went into 2021 with pretty low expectations because it was pro- we were thinking it was going to be Nick Tarburton, a guy who just hadn't been able to stay healthy prior to that season, and Arnold Epichetti, a speed rush transfer from the group of five level. So right off the bat, Isaac just raises your floor just a ton. So I'm excited to see what he's able to do. In year three, after a year, to take a step back and see where he fits in the broader, you know, scheme of things. I remember I asked uh, John Reed about this at a media day years ago about what did the year away from the field do for you? And John Reed just said it opened my eyes to everything that was going on outside of my bubble. So I'm really curious to see if Adisa Isaac takes that same kind of step, and then. I'm going to pound my fist on my table here. Hakeem Beeman is the best defensive lineman on Penn State's roster. He probably would have been last year too. This dude was so good as a redshirt freshman, but nobody remembers because nobody cares about the third redshirt freshman defensive tackle on a four and five team in a pandemic. People have no idea how dominant Hakeem Beeman can be when he's at his best. I think he is a guy who has first round potential I think he's a dude who is just so unique in the sense that he's smaller than Kevin Givens, but he's bigger than like a, like a Yitor Gross Matos kind of guy. And he's just going to play like a blender kind of role where he's just going to try to confuse tackles, guards, centers, and in a Manny Diaz, that defense that thrives off chaos to have that kind of weapon is just invaluable. So you know, you get Mustafer for the leadership, you get Isaac back just for the um expected production, and then you get Beeman back for what it allows you to do up front. All three of those guys just bring such a unique addition to a Penn State defensive line room that already would have been pretty good, you know, had Isaac, you know opted to, you know, continue to get healthy or slow down his recovery. Hakeem Beeman had to have, you know, Miss another year, or Mustafer went pro. I think this this group coming back just means that the the sky is the limit for this team. Yeah, I,
0: th- I think the big thing with Mustafar, and you heard a lot about it, um, you know, almost immediately after he got hurt last year. I think they all kind of knew after that Iowa game. Um, you know, obviously they lost Clifford in that game to lost the lead late. Um, you don't certainly don't need to rehash that. But the way James Franklin and I'd argue more importantly, his teammates talked about PJ Mustafer um and what losing a guy like that. And like I said, they kind of they kind of knew at that point it was for the year. They hadn't officially confirmed it, but I think everyone kind of had a pretty good sense um within the team what the situation was. Um that, that's a that's a heart and soul guy. You know, his his talent we all know about. We see that every Saturday on the field. But I think to to you really get to know what a guy's like when you hear what his teammates say about him. And to a man, everyone that was asked about PJ Mustafer last year, um you you could just sense how they felt about him. And just having that presence around if he didn't play another down of football, having his presence around the team this year, um, I think is gonna be invaluable. Um I think it was invaluable last year for guys like Devon Alley's and Kazai Izzard, who were playing their first true meaningful snaps of college football to have a guy like that there that had really seen it all um, and, you know, very easily, you know, could have kind of checked out and, you know, didn't want to be around, you know, was, you know, a surefire NFL draft pick before the injury, you know, didn't really know where, what his future was going to look like at that point. There was none of that. He was, he was there on, I think he had the, one of the little um, scooters, you know, to to keep weight off his leg. And he just was sitting there with his leather jacket on, had the biggest smile in the world. I think that, that presence, whether it's PJ Mustaf or anyone, but having that kind of presence around a football team um is just so valuable. And I think not to get too big picture here because we're focused on the defensive line, that's I think been something that has maybe been lacking a little bit um the last couple of years. They haven't had that kind of um big personality, big presence, team captain, leader type of guy. They've had leaders, no doubt um but it takes all kinds and i think though like you go back to the 16 and 17 teams you had trace mcsorley who was vocal um you know we we, we saw you know the kind of leader he was on a weekly basis um jason kabinda um even guys like mike Kosicki grew into ro- to roles like that um not that the guys that have been there since then are are bad guys by any means that's certainly not the case but they're just different kinds of guys and they've kind of been missing that that pj mustfer kind of element as a as a person um, so, I, I think that's invaluable. Um, and I think what's cool with guys like Beeman and Isaac coming back from injuries, and I mentioned this briefly earlier, is that their absence allowed other guys to take on bigger roles. And Mustafar's injury obviously led to bigger roles for those guys and others as well. Um, but then you're adding back in, and you mentioned this too, Matt, you're adding back in that experience. And in Beeman's case, he, he practiced last year. It wasn't like he was, you know, missing in action. He was at practice working with the scout team. Um, I would imagine was certainly around the weight room. So he's yep. had two years worth of physical growth and practice time and everything else that goes along with it. Um, whereas a guy like Isaac, um, you know, has had two years of growth, but part of that was spent rehab in rehab. So mm-hmm. or rehabbing the injury that didn't come out very well at all. Um, I Hopefully everyone knows what I meant. <laughs> um, but I think you're, you're adding back in leadership experience and talent to a group that gained experience for sure um and and grew into those bigger roles and now I think long-term everyone's better for it because you're adding back in you know kind of the cherry on top any additional thoughts I know you kind of mentioned and I want to give you some time to talk a little bit about it is the impact that Manny Diaz is going to have on this group um because I think it's a it, it, it speaks to both the defensive line and kind of the mindset I think they want from that group but also because I think how it translates to some of the other stuff we've talked about on other podcasts and some of the big picture season preview sorts of things.
1: Yeah. Manny Diaz in this defensive line, as weird as it sounds are about to be Sean Clifford's best friend, Brent Pry's philosophy of Ben. Don't break was, was fine. It was great for keeping points off the board. It was awful for having Sean Clifford and company not start drives inside of their own 20 because blocking field goals are great, but then Sean Clifford and the offense have the ball at like the 28 yard line and have to go 60 yards to to get anywhere to, to be able to score. And they couldn't run the ball. So they lost that whole element. What Manny Diaz wants to do is he wants to live in the backfield and when you're able to live in the backfield and force teams into second and long, third and long, that opens the door for explosive plays on the defensive side of the football. That's strip sacks, that's fumbles, that's interceptions. And with a group up front that consists of, you know, Beeman, Mustafer, Isaac, Tarburton, Robinson, you know, all these dudes who have an ability to, you know, get behind the line of scrimmage and make a play, that's going to be such a big thing for getting teams behind the sticks off schedule and then Penn state's defense and their great defenders in the secondary can get their hands on the football and maybe get the ball to the offense on their own 40 instead of on their own 25. And and that's a huge difference. So if this defensive line plays the way Manny Diaz wants them to play it's going to open up so many opportunities to get your hand on the football. And that's only going to set up Sean Clift and the offense with better field position and hopefully take some pressure off of them. So that all starts up front. And, and I think they have the guys to go out there and really set the tone uh, early on in a lot of games.
0: You mentioned earlier, Matt, that Penn state hasn't really had the the sack numbers that given the, the amount of talent that's come through the program in the last half dozen years or so, that you would expect. And I think mm-hmm. part of that is because of that defensive philosophy that you alluded to, you know, we're, we're going to keep the play in front of us, not give up the big play. We're going to make you go 12. If you're going to score, you're going to go 12, 12 plays, 80 yards to do it. Um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: And that generally leads to, you know, third and three, second and six, not, not your obvious passing downs where um, you can turn a guy loose on the end, knowing that he doesn't have to worry about the run. Um, and what I think is really exciting is, is we just talked, spent half an hour talking about all the depth and all this great talent up front, um, including a number of guys who were kind of born to to get after the quarterback. But I think you're going to see a defense that ideally puts them in a position to do that. And then we're going to talk about it um, in some episodes that you'll see later or hear later this week. Um, Penn State's secondary is just full of guys that want to take the football away. Jair Brown. um, There's been a lot of talk about uh, Wheatley um, who is in a battle at one of the, one of the safety spots. Um, there's one of their, one of the other guys name has come up a lot this year as far as taking the ball away in practice. So they have, they have some dudes in the secondary to, to steal a favorite line of bills that want to get out to the football. And they have a bunch of guys up front who want to get after the quarterback. And I think to put it very simply, and you said this too, Matt, the the goal of Manny diaz's defense is to get into the second long, get into the third long where we know what you're going to do. We know you're going to throw the ball. Um and I don't think that was consistently the case with Brent Pry, who certainly coordinated some unbelievable defenses. They you were know, re- rated among the top, you know, 10-15% in the country pretty consistently year after year. But with that came, you know, he just he had a different philosophy of how he was going to keep you out of the end zone and it worked. And it worked really yeah. well. They won won three or went to three new year's day bowl games. They won the big 10. Um, certainly wasn't any slouch, but I think when you see the talent that Penn state's recruited on defense, especially on the defensive line, I think his general mindset fits more with what Penn state has on the roster. And I think to a bigger picture idea, more what college football has become. Um, yep. you 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 got to create the big play, whether it's an offense or defense, and your big play on defense is taking the ball away. And Penn State has certainly done better about that, certainly last year. Um, you know they're among one of the top teams in the country, I believe, in in, in interceptions. But they 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 were, they came at at um not necessarily the right time. They they came um you know they weren't forcing the interception necessarily. They were taking advantage of a bad throw or a bad read by the quarterback, for for example. Um. I'm excited to see that mindset translate to all those guys we just mentioned. I I think it's going to be very exciting. I think you're going to see Penn State get more points than they probably have. They're not going to be a top 10 scoring defense.
1: Oh yeah, they will not.
0: But if you're creating shorter fields and giving your offense an easier chance to put their own points on the board, which as we have talked about in um, the first series of our, our season preview podcast with the offense, they've got a lot of skill position guys who can do that if it comes together. So um, it's a big unknown. It's one of those big questions that we have to see how it gets answered going into the season, but it's a, an exciting one to, to keep an eye on, um, starting here in, um, as we talk, I believe it's 18 days from the season opener in West Lafayette. Um, any additional quick. thoughts on the defensive line for you, Matt, before we call tonight?
1: Uh, that's all I got. Hakeem Beeman, uh hype train. It got delayed by a year, but I am very happy that, uh, he is going to deliver in a major way. I'm very excited to see him play.
0: You, you can follow Matt on Twitter and Instagram for the Keem Beeman for Heisman campaign. Um, I believe he is launching that campaign <laughs> um, as we speak. Um, but for my co-host, Matt Polipovic, who I have now gotten right uh, four of the five times I have set his na- full name this evening, uh, I'm your host, Matt DeBeer. Thanks for listening. And uh, don't forget to check out our friends at Home Field, uh, Roar Lions Roar, at checkout for 15% off your first purchase. Um, thanks for listening to Roar Lions Roar, and we'll catch you in the next episode.